This is episode number 117, what I learned in 2017. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to this very special episode of the Super Data Science Podcast. This episode is going to be different, not a bit different, but very different to the episodes that you're used to. This time I won't have a guest. This is the first time I'm doing this, and I'm very excited about what's to come. Today is the last episode of the year 2017. And so what I decided to do is to uh, create an episode where it's just me and I'm going to recap on the things that I learned for myself this year. And I'm recording this episode as much for myself as I am uh, for others or to share with others because I think it's important to look back at uh, the year that you've lived and understand what has changed in your life and how it's affected your life and how it's going to affect your life going forward and to somehow record that in a way and for me it's through this podcast and that way I'll always be able to listen to it again and remember what I learned and how these things are affecting my life and uh, I wanted to right away set your expectations because this podcast is not going to be about things I learned in data science And it's not even going to be about things that I learned in business. It's going to be about things that I learned in um, my personal life, in my personal growth. How I have grown um, as an individual, as a human being, and what that means for me. So if you are interested to hear about that, then... I welcome you into this podcast, into this session, and if you're at home, grab a glass of wine. I've definitely got my wine, in fact, my wine and tea and water here because I have no idea for how long this is going to go. And so that's another part, I guess, of setting the expectations that this might go on for just as short as 30 minutes or so or might go on for a while. But I've done a bit of preparation. I have some notes written out, so... I think it might go a bit over an hour, so that's that's uh, the length, I guess, to expect. Um, yeah, and so off we go. We're going to talk about seven things. I've identified the seven most important things that I've learned for myself in this year, 2017, and I'm going to share them with you and also share uh, what exactly they meant for me and how... Uh, I have changed as a person this year. And I personally think that this year has been very interesting in growth. And the reason for that is because uh, previously, uh, previously in, in the previous years, there was always something more on the professional side of things that I was looking for, that I was aiming to grow or develop or achieve, accomplish. But this year, I understood for myself that I have been neglecting my personal growth and 
have not been paying enough attention to it and that's what I was focusing on so no, I wasn't uh, this year I wasn't specifically looking for major breakthroughs in uh, the world of business or major learnings in the space of data science Th those I knew that those things would come if they needed to come by themselves but this year I specifically focused on my personal growth alright so without further ado let's get started um, out of the seven the first one that I identified is the six needs. So they all have uh, little titles, and the first one is titled Six Needs. And where did this come from? Where did this uh, um, learning in 2017 come from? Well, some of you might know that in uh, May this year, I attended an event called Date with Destiny by Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins is one of the world's um, most famous life coaches. Or he I don't think he likes that term, life coach or motivational speaker. He doesn't like that either. But he's, he's a person who guides others to success, others to understanding themselves better. And he's helped millions and millions of people. And uh, he has these events uh, once a year uh, there in... Um, I think in Florida, in Miami, Florida, and once a year there in, in Australia, funnily enough, in Gold Coast. And so I attended Date with Destiny in uh, May 2017, and there were lots and lots of things that Tony discussed. It was a six-day event, about 12 hours a day, and as you can imagine, there was like this tons of value, tons of information. And uh, by the way, I highly recommend, I, this, I couldn't recommend higher this event if anybody's ever considering date with destiny very very recommend checking it out attending um, and uh, seeing for yourself what it's all about um, so but there was lot there were lots and lots of things that uh, Tony portrayed in these six days and he was on stage pretty much like 10 hours per day it's it's incredible how how much uh, time he was spending with everybody and at the same time, in this podcast, I didn't want to just list all the things that I learned or that I learned on the day at the time. Because I, I did take notes and I actually went through my notes today and it took me a couple of hours to like highlight everything that um, was important and everything that, uh, like his quotes and things like that. But what I want to convey to, what I wanted to like outline for today was just the things and this is what this podcast is about. It's not about the things that I learned and that I wrote down somewhere or that I maybe memorized for some time. This is about things that I learned and actually that stuck with me, that things that I actually implemented, things that, um, that continuously throughout the year were changing my life. There, there were other things that, for example, at the Tony Robbins pod, uh, event that were amazing and now reading through them today I thought to myself wow this is so this is such a cool concept how come I didn't apply it throughout the year and that's kind of that's my uh, oversight I should have I should have uh, paid more attention or I should have made more effort to apply but it is what it is and so I'm just talking about the things that I actually uh, actively applied consciously or unconsciously throughout the year and so the largest takeaway for me from Tony Robbins and probably from this whole year is this first uh, element that we're talking about is called the six needs. And so I'll walk you through it. So Tony identifies 
six human needs that basically drive any of our behaviors and emotions and our life in general. And here they are. So the needs are certainty, uncertainty, significance, love and connection, growth, and contribution. So let's uh, go through them one by one. Certainty. So we all need some level of certainty in our lives. For example, if you're sitting at work right now, uh, well, on your break, I'm assuming on your lunch break, or um, uh, what else? You might be riding your bike right now, my, your bicycle. Um, well, let's say you're inside a building. A great example that Tony gives is you need a, a um, level of certainty, for instance, that the building's uh, roof won't collapse. You need that certainty, otherwise you're, you won't be in that building. Everything else won't matter. You won't be um, worried about your work, you won't be worried about the shopping that you're about to be about to do or anything else. You'll be getting out of that building. That'll be your first priority because you are not certain that the the walls will hold that the roof won't collapse. So you do need some level of certainty in your life. At the same time, you need uncertainty. How funny is that? Like you need both. You need certainty and uncertainty. And uncertainty is synonymous to variety. You need some sort of spice in your life. And why is that? Well, because if we are certain about everything all the time, then we're going to get bored. We, we're going to know what's going to happen tomorrow, the day after, five days, a year from now, and life is not going to be interesting. So in order for us to be excited and fulfilled, and uh, not fulfilled, in order for us to be excited about life and have, like, have genuine interest in life, we have to have both certainty and uncertainty. And an interesting quote from Tony, I'm going to mark these off as I go through them. An interesting quote from Tony is, all passion of life is found in the realm of uncertainty. And something to ponder on, that uh, your passions, you find them in, um, in things that you are not certain about. And it kind of makes sense when you think about the whole boredom aspect of it. And if you're always certain about things, you're just going to get bored. And the other thing uh, that Tony says um, about uncertainty is that the quality of uh, a person's life is directly proportionate to the amount of uncertainty they can comfortably live with. So there we go. We won't go deep into all of these, uh, but there's another one to think about uh, that what uncertainty means for people. So there we go. That's the first two. The third one is significance. And this is the need to feel unique, special, and important. Um, it's a it's an interesting one. Uh, we, we'll talk more about significance just in a second, but we kind of all know that feeling that we, we, we want to be important in a person's life or in, other, in many other people's lives. Um, and some people have more of that need, some people have less of that need. Uh, the fourth one is love and connection. And uh, that is basically the need to love or be loved and the need to connect uh, with other people, friends and uh, partners and um, just acquaintances, other people around you. It could even be people you don't know. And what Tony says about love and connection is a very interesting quote, uh, again, by Tony Robbins, is that love requires more vulnerabil vulnerability, vulnerability. Love requires more vulnerability than connection, but provides a hundred times more reward. Very interesting as well, and I think we've all been in situations where we have a connection with someone, 
but we don't actually have the love yet or at all and and you can you can you can tell the difference you can tell that connection is great like especially in an intimate relationship the connection is fantastic but we also know that if we've experienced love at least once in our lives we know that love is a hundred times better and uh, yeah so that's number four um, so those are the, the first four are called the basic needs and Tony identifies them as the basic human needs whereas uh, the last two uh, are the needs where we get fulfillment in our life that's why when I was talking about uncertainty and certainty I kind of like corrected myself that we they're not that's that's not where fulfillment comes from fulfillment comes from these last two and the last two are growth and contribution so growth is when you learn new things when you grow either professionally or personally uh, or with someone or by yourself it doesn't matter it's just when you become better and better and better and um, you you don't stagnate like you don't stop learning or developing and um, and just growing I guess and so what uh, Tony says about growth is that we grow so that we have something to give and that ties in well with contribution that contribution is when you give back to uh, the community or when you give back to individual people you help others and you know like sometimes like personally for me I prefer giving gifts than receiving gifts I love receiving gifts that's great but I actually get so much more out of giving a gift like seeing the person's eyes when they unwrap it and how excited they are especially if, if it's what they wanted if it's the right gift if I may if I guessed or if I somehow knew what they wanted and like and they didn't know that I was gonna give it to him it like gives me this amazing feeling and uh, it's not just about gifts like uh, we, we've probably you've, we've all been in situations where you just help somebody out with uh, something at work or uh, with a personal problem or you know you just uh, meet somebody on the street and like some like you know help an old lady cross the street or you do something without expecting something in return and that's called contribution and that makes you feel good because that makes you fulfilled with life it gives meaning to your life it gives purpose it gives it's not just like you're living life for yourself it it means there's a there's a bigger reason for why you're here and those two come hand in hand as well so you grow in order to have something to give in order to be able whether it's help or it's uh, knowledge advice money um anything that that you can give you grow and then you can give more and about contribution uh tony says and this is like this i think he f figured this out when he was quite young i think 16 or 18 i'm not sure exactly but he came up with this concept uh when he was like pondering on the meaning of life he came up with the concept that the secret to living is giving and that's how he's been living his life for instance he uh, feeds uh, uh, like people who don't have um, something to eat across the I think across the US or maybe even across the world and last year in 2016 as far as I am I remember he, or as far as I heard he gave out 300 uh, what was it 300 million meals across the world I my I, I don't I think that's the correct number because his 
his goal is to feed a billion people in the like in 10 years or something like that he's getting very close to it he actually gave out 300 million meals in a year and that number has been growing for so he's been doing that since he was much younger since he was like 18 or 20 years old he's been like uh, feeding one family then two families and four then eight and so on and now he's gotten to 300 million meals. How crazy is that? Um, and how great is that? And so and he's working towards more. So he's a great, great person. And so those are the six needs. And so why, why has this changed drastically in my life? Why is this one of the top um, things that happened to me in 2017 that I've decided to mention? Well, because at Date with Destiny, they have this exercise. And this actually happens on day one of the six that I guess that's they really want to put your life into perspective for you and the thing is out of these six needs you need to be able to identify based on your past life based on, on how you've lived your life what you think are your top two because we all have these six needs in some combination and some um, hierarchy some are more important some are less important so they are all present for all people all six needs but what is important is what are the top two of these needs because those needs will be driving predominantly most of your decisions in life, most of your choices, most of your emotions that you experience in life will be driven by the top two. And so for me, when we did this exercise, it was so interesting. It was extremely, extremely easy for me to identify my number one need. Uh, number two was was harder, but number one was like by far it was like at the very very top. And before I say mine, maybe uh, if like so that you're not biased by what I, my answer was. If you like, you can pause this podcast and try to think for yourself. What are your top two needs? Just kind of like look back at at what's been driving your decisions and uh, generally your life. And what do you think is the most important? Is it certainty or is it uncertainty? Or is it significance? Is it love and connection? Is it growth? Is it contribution? And the trick here is, or the way to approach it is, don't um, try, like, be truthful with yourself. And the quote from Tony, one that he said, like, probably a hundred thousand times during the six days, and, like, you, it really resonates with you and sinks in, is that the truth will set you free. You got to be truthful with yourself. Don't answer what you think or what you would want it to be, like your ideal version of yourself, you don't need to share this with anybody. Answer truthfully to yourself. What do you think has been your number one and number two um, needs that have been driving your life up until today? And so for me, number one was so easy to identify. It was just, it was ridiculous how easy it was. And how obvious it was once once we did this exercise, once we just like, once I had to stop and think about it. And uh, for me, number one was uh, significance. And why? Why significance? Why was number one significant? What does that mean? And is it good or bad? Well, significance is when you need to feel unique, special, and important in other people's eyes so the opinion of others matters and you can already feel that that's not really a good thing when when uh, you are dependent on the opinion of others and um, and the way I identified it is that 
throughout my life, all, a lot of the things I had been doing were driven by the need to be um, acknowledged by others, accepted by others, appreciated by others, or um, seen as uh, somebody like special by others. And, you know, like whether it is it was uh, coming first in... Uh, like being one of the top in university and ideally coming first or uh, being the best at work when I was working at Deloitte, like really, really working. But I wasn't doing it because I had to, because I really wanted to contribute or because I really wanted to grow or because I really uh, needed, uh, like I wanted to connect with, like I wanted to develop like connection with people that I was working. I did it to kind of like, as much as I hate to say it, but I did it to show off. I did it to show others that I was, I could do it. I could be, I could, I am the best. And, you know, like, and the worst part is, like, they, they, like, the partners there, um, and the whole culture there, it, um, kind of, like, reinforces that type of behavior. Like, they, they want people who are the, are the best, and they, they, um, strive to, uh, to outperform and be overachievers and so on and and so and that kind of like fed fed this uh, desire to keep doing that or even like in sports like when I was doing wakeboarding I really wanted to to be the best at wakeboarding so everybody would look at me and be like oh wow Kirill can do this and that even though you know like I wasn't I was nowhere near the best I was you know I was just starting out and and could like like barely do basic things at the same time, I was always driven by this. Oh, there's going to be, a, especially when it comes to competitions, like, uh, like not not even uh, any significant, just like a club competition. Um, like I would be like, oh, I have to train really hard to get there, and and that's how I injured myself really badly several times because I was driven by this um, need to be significant in other people's eyes. I would just like go so full in. That so like put so much too much effort into it, and without the right preparation, without the right um, skills and knowledge, that I would just injure myself. And um, and what Tony Robbins does is he helps you go back into your life and understand where those needs come from. What why a certain need is in a certain position. Like for instance, why significance for me was number one. And funnily enough or not funnily enough, a lot of these things, they drill down to your childhood. And the way Tony explains it is that, like, we're born with a brain. And then certain things, nature, not nature, nurture, um, you know, family, society, friends, peers, and so on, they, their, like, their behaviors, their beliefs, and so on, they, uh, things they say to us, these things structure a blueprint in our brain. And based on that blueprint, that, that is where you get your first and second need and so on. Um, and so a lot of your blueprint is, of course, formed in your family and your parents. And um, what do children want? Like when, when you're born at the start, everybody loves you. You're a baby, everybody. You get unconditional love from everyone. But as you grow up um, and you become more conscious about, you know, like become more, uh, I guess, not uh, not just an unconscious baby just crying all the time. Uh, you 
you like people can actually talk to you and tell you things and things like that um, you notice that there are certain expectations that people have around you they or people want you to be certain things and you realize that in order to get love you don't get that unconditional love anymore in order to get love you need to meet certain conditions and uh, depending on your parents depending on the way you brought up your family those conditions will be different for me of course my parents love them and I love them to death myself right now uh, but at the same time my parents expected me to be the best and so they always expected me to be uh, number one in school I, I used to uh, play chess and, and com like competitively and they expected me to be number one in chess and number one in everything I do whether it's from like school to chess to arts to horse riding to everything I had to be like um, really probably not horse riding yeah but like everything else um, they expected me to be like number one at the very top and the best and so um, like I learned for early on from my childhood that in order to get Again, my parents definitely loved me, and I know, I, and I'm, I'm very grateful for the childhood I had. But in order for me to completely satisfy my parents and for them to love me, like, for, like as as a child, this is the way you understand it. For for me to, for my parents to completely love me and love me more than anything, and give me that unconditional love that I so crave that that I had when I was a baby, I don't have right now. For that to happen, I have to be number one in everything. And what does number one lead to? Number one means significance. Number one, always like the top, top, top in everything requires you to be um, just kind of like associates or translates into being the best. And yeah, and so that's how significance got to the top of my list. And um, and number, number two on the list uh, for me didn't really matter th that much because it was so far, my, for, so far below. And so for me... I thought it was growth, uh, but then I spoke to one of the mentors there at Tony at the Tony Robbins event, and they said they helped me understand that it was actually uncertainty or variety. Yeah, I'm not going to go into detail on how I understood that, um, in, uh, just because it's it didn't have that much of an impact on me. Um, and you know, po possibly in the next year I will explore that as well. But this whole um, significance thing is is what I wanted to point out here because it had this realization had the biggest impact and the best part was it was so easy to let go of that as soon as I understood it, it was like 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 a click like that it was so quick I just realized wow like I am so driven by significance and this need to be um, important in other people's lives and I need to let go of that. I don't want that to be my blueprint. I don't want that to drive my decisions, emotions, and uh, behavior. And so, yeah, and pretty much like on that same day, I decided for myself, that's not going to be at the top of my list anymore. And what I, and then, and then like they help you come up with your own blueprint. What do, what kind of blueprint do you want? And so, um, I like, I'm still, deciding what exactly it is is going to be at the top i wrote down for myself that i want love and connection at the top and contribution on the second place uh but like i'm not sure between the three love and connection contribution variety or uncertainty because i do like um different like I, I do like to experience new things and they say that also it also depends on on 
the, the phase of your life you're in. And so you have to be truthful to yourself and understand like at this stage of my life, what, what it feels right that should be number one. But a good tip is that it shouldn't be for like the, the worst two to have at the top are significance and certainty. If you have one of those two, then possibly or according to Tony Robbins, you need to change something in your life because significance where you discussed why it's bad because it like it it gives you that it doesn't give you actual uh, it doesn't help you find love it helps you find helps you like be you know, you know people who like to just just buy things so that others will look at them and like be impressed N nobody really loves that type or nobody really loves when people do that it's just kind of like it gives you that feeling of love or feeling of accomplishment for for like 50 seconds and then and then you're back to square one you gotta you gotta be a, it's very tiring to always be significant in other people's lives if you're relying on other people's opinion in order to uh, be happy uh, especially in that way then then it's just got, you're just gonna be super tired all the time and never uh, ever truly happy and the reason why certainty is a bad thing at the top is because you cannot grow if you in, in, you cannot grow in certainty. Uh, you need to get out of your comfort zone in order to grow, and that means you need to get into uncertainty. And that's why certainty is not a good one at the top. So that's a good tip, like not to have certainty or significance in the top two in your ideal blueprint. Uh, but the thing is, the reality is that it, most people, uh, the way we live our lives, we already have one of those two at the top, or even both of those at the top, like as number one and number two. But that, there's no nothing problematic about that. You can just change it. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I'm still working on my new blueprint, but I'm really happy that I was able to drop this significance, and it felt like a weight was dropped off my shoulders. It felt like, whoa, that is so cool. I don't have to impress other people anymore to gain to, and it all goes down. It all boils down to feeling loved. I don't like. I don't have to impress other people anymore to feel loved. I, you know, like I can find love other ways or I can find it like, and we'll get to this further down in this podcast, I can find deep down inside my own heart. I can have it inside me already. And so like as soon as that dropped, I'm like, wow, like life is so, like you feel so much lighter because you can just do things for yourself or you, like for, not, not, I don't mean like for yourself, yourself. I mean like you don't, you can just do things because you want to do them or you don't want to do them, not because other people expect you to do them or you uh, want to do them to impress other people and also uh, what that meant is that now you can actually uh, con do things to contribute back to the world so for instance in my case like the I, I know like I don't need to um, run super data science and run uh, a business to just to prove to the world that I, I can do it that I, I can uh, like I can I can build this and you know like I, I can do do great things no I can but now like I actually feel so great because I can do it just to give back to the world and whatever I've learned to help others learn it and I can um, like do things that that I, I don't expect anything in return and I it feels good it feels great I don't like I can do things that um, I don't I don't care if it works out or if it doesn't work out I'm just doing it because um, I can I can I can see how I can help someone and yeah so that's the about the six needs um, 
and but that's not all about the six needs and i warned you that this podcast is going to be quite a long one we've already gone 30 minutes and we haven't even finished the first one out of seven anyway um, six needs also come up in relationships and we'll have a quick diversion here uh, or like a quick uh, side side road into that space here uh, not for long but I think I feel it's important to mention because I found it very interesting in relationships the way these six needs work by the way I won't go too much into relationships it's like a whole day I think day three on the Tony Robbins date with destiny event they, they just talk about relationships I won't go into too much into detail there um, but this this part I did want to mention so in relationships, the way Tony Robbins describes it is uh, like people, these six needs also come up. And even, so people in a relationship can meet or not meet each other's needs. And so the way he, he, comes, he came up with the scale is like if you meet the other person's one out of the six needs for the other person, they will be interested in you. And this is just not not even this is not not like you don't have to be in a relationship just to just find like uh, accidentally meet a, a person on the street and if you meet one need of one of their six needs they'll just be interested in you. If you meet two of their six needs they'll be there then you'll be friends. If uh, you meet three of their needs then you'll be lovers. If you meet and so on and it gets to six and this is Tony's quote not mine. Uh, if you meet six out of the six of their needs, then they uh, they will be your love slave. They will be addicted to you. They will want to take you with them everywhere. And it works the other way around. If somebody meets six of your needs, you will be addicted to them and you will want them everywhere with you all the time. And so basically what's that, what that's saying is that when you get like, if you if you rate those needs, like how a person... Uh, need meets each need like from a scale from 1 to 10 of yours and if you get like 10 10 10 10 10 10 so for each one of the needs you get a 10 out of 10 then things become effortless in a relationship and so Tony's quote here is if you want to be in a happy and fulfilled relationship you have to want to meet their needs crazily so the key word here is want you don't you can't just do it because you're checking off some boxes or you just um, going and like you following this blueprint and you're like okay what I need to do this is you have to want to do it and, and if you do want to do it then and you do it crazily then you'll be in a happy fulfilled relationship but uh, we will get to relationships more in point number seven because I have something uh, to say there on that as well but that's later on for the down so those were the six needs it's a uh, it's an amazing concept uh, there's a video of Tony Robbins doing a TED talk. Well, I think he's done two. In um, one of the TED talks, I think it's the, the earlier one. Uh, but anyway, in one of them, he talks more about the six needs. You can find out more about that. Uh, uh, we'll find the link and we'll put in the show notes for you if you're interested to find out about that more. Okay, so that was the first and probably the biggest thing that impacted me. And again, it, it impacted me so much because I was able to drop this mask that I had of the need to be significant that of that need driving my life 
I was able to drop it and things just became so much easier. I, like, I, there's still definitely lots of work that I need to do on myself to get them in the right order, to, um, to understand what is, what is most important to me now, like where everything else sits. But that was like the biggest step for me, the first and the biggest step. Okay, so moving on. Number two, the mini subtitle here is guilt and victim. This is not a Tony Robbins thing. Um, uh, so it, it, I learned this from, although Tony Robbins, uh, something that he mentions is that we're driven by uh, two things in life. They're either pain or pleasure. And good, it's good to be driven by pleasure, to seek things because you'll get pleasure from them. It's not good to be driven by pain or to be um, like uh, trying to do things because you want to avoid pain. And so uh, we want to always go towards that pleasure side of, uh, pleasure side of the equation. Uh, but so that's just like an overview and kind of fits in nicely with what I'm about to um, discuss here. But overall, this whole concept of guilt and victim, it didn't come from Tony Robbins, it came from Maya who is one of uh, my mentors who I met this year and she, and in, in the personal space of personal growth. And she introduced this concept to me, uh, I think this was somewhere around August. August or, oh, that's, that's exactly when we met, uh, uh, August or uh, July or August. But she introduced this concept in the middle of the year to me, it's called the, the victim role. And so let's dive into this. Um, I, th I think I'll start with kind of like a, a bit of a rewind. So throughout my life, I have encountered people who in relationships could manipulate me. And I, I'm sure many of us have encountered people like that. And whether it was consciously or unconsciously, but um, they somehow they were able to manipulate me in doing things that uh, they wanted that like getting things that they wanted and this is not because that they had bad intentions like I'm not saying that these were evil people or anything just uh, it's just that some people are just like that it's just how they've through their upbringing through the way they've grown up they've learned to get what they want uh, that way, just through um, whether it's emotional or psychological uh, manipulation of other people. And, uh, and the thing is that I generally hate seeing people get hurt. I, like, I cannot stand when somebody gets hurt or especially if I'm hurting or I, like, I perceive that I'm hurting someone. And that, that combo is like dynamite. When, when a person... Uh, is um, like uh, can manipulate you to get what they want and you are a person who cannot stand hurting other people and like in that case it worked really well and let me explain how it works so basically um, a person w wants something so let's uh, obviously we're talking about relationships so a person wants I don't know um, uh, well, what could they want? Like they want uh, you to see them. Mm, I don't know, like on a Friday night. But you got you have work or something else, and and you just like there are reasons sometimes when you can. And uh, but then because you don't see them, they get 
uh, they turn into this victim mode. They become a victim as if you're a perpetrator, you've done something bad to hurt them, and all of a sudden, that's it, you can, they, um, they will let you know that you've hurt them, that you're a bad person, that they're in pain, and so on. And so, in, in turn, so what happens, these things come in, in pairs, you, they are the victim, or they portray themselves as the victim, and you are the perpetrator, and you actually start to feel guilty. And we've all had this, I'm sure we've all had this, when you have this very heavy uh, feeling of guilt that is like eating you from inside and you're like, oh, wow, how could I do that? I am such a bad person, I hurt them so much and so on. And it's so heavy and then you like, and then you try to make it up to them and you, and you like, and then you, you kind of get conditioned into not doing that again. You understand that, uh, like even though you had your reasons, even though you needed to work, or, or let's say you, you just wanted uh, to see your friends, or you had other plans, or maybe you were tired and you wanted to be by yourself on that Friday night, and but you get conditioned into the, um, the belief or like the behavior that you should not do that anymore. Because if you do, you will experience excruciating pain of the feeling of guilt. And this ties in with the Tony Robbins pain and pleasure, right? You're In the future, if they want to see you on a Friday night when you have whatever else planned already, um, what will happen is you won't go and see them out of the desire for pleasure and, you know, out of being driven by pleasure. You will go and see them out of pain, out of the... Um, out of the out of trying to avoid the pain that the, you will experience if you don't see them, and that's the whole pain pleasure, um, I don't know like um, scale where you have to have to decide or the whole pain pleasure dilemma, uh, which one is driving your life, and you can see it clearly there. But people who fall into a victim role are extremely extremely powerful. It's a very powerful. Uh, state of being because they are entirely convinced they are a hundred percent certain that they're the victim and they're not doing it and the thing is, is they don't they don't do it on purpose they don't do it I'm going to be a victim today I'm gonna I, I this is gonna work for me no it, they, it all happens on a very unconscious level and we talk about consciousness further down in this podcast as well but it happens on a very unconscious level and um the, in in that point in time, these people are very, like, are not conscious. Are like they're very not conscious. They're behaving very not consciously, and and that's why it's such a powerful thing. It's so hard to combat it. And and I've had that in, throughout my life many times. I've had it like well, I wouldn't say hundreds of times, but maybe like a couple couple of times, or maybe almost uh, maybe that's uh, probably under ten times. I've I've encountered people like that. I've had the feeling of guilt like hundreds of times. But basically what but every time I was so confused. I was like I don't know what's happening like uh, and, and like if say if it was the same person it would happen again and again and again and again and I would get conditioned or get conditioned into behaving in a certain way out of out of this fear for the feeling of guilt uh, of of this fear of getting this feeling of guilt um, and and it was actually, I, oh, I don't want to hurt them. I, I have to be like this and so and so on. And like you stop being yourself. You become somebody completely different. And even though you might love that person so, so much, um, like your whole co your consciousness and your 
even your body will be will start to reject it you'll, you'll be like i can't take this anymore because it's so heavy it's so draining and that's why uh, a relationship with a person who is constantly in uh, victim mode is well as far as i understood this year uh, from what i learned from maya and from other teachings by the way this is also described in eckhart tolle's uh, the power of now book in chapter eight um what i learned from the from wherever i was learning from like a, a relationship with a person who's constantly in a feeling or in a victim role is simply impossible because they will drain the life out of the other person they will make uh, them feel very very guilty all the time very heavy and uh, yeah and so it's just it's just going to at some point um at some point the, the other person usually will just have enough and it it will be very hard but it'll it'll be just too miserable to stay in that and so like i've had that throughout my life before i didn't understand what was going on i didn't understand how it's happening and why it's happening but i was so fortunate to meet maya this year and to also read eckhart tolle's the power of now and understand like on a profound deep level what the heck is going on and what um, where this feeling of guilt comes from and what is a victim mode or it's actually victim role or victim mode what it is and what I'm grateful for from that is that now I can identify when that happens I can identify when somebody is being a victim consciously or unconsciously I can see that, well I, I hope I'll be able to but so far I'll be I've been able to identify that and and it also has its um, it's spectrum, you know, some people can be very victim all the time about everything. Some people can be victim about about a few things or uh, occasionally once in a while. But I, I've been, like, I think I've been quite good at being able to identify that. And yeah, so if a person, sometimes you might want to help a person get out of it. And I, I personally am a believer in that, that like if you see that a person is behaving unconsciously and isn't really seeing what they're doing in helping them through it and helping them understand what's going on and talking to them and maybe you know recommending them to read a book or um i don't know like watch a youtube video or something and trying to explain it to them but if if it's not possible if the person is just going to keep staying in the victim mode and unfortunately like these things just like we saw in the six needs these things they they drill back down all the way to person's childhood and if they had a difficult childhood and they, um, you know, they, the only way they could get things is by making, manipulating others to feel, uh, feel guilty because uh, this person was being a, like uh, was portraying themselves as a victim. If that's how they, they grew up, their whole childhood was like that, then uh, it's going to be very deeply uh, um, ingrained in their blueprint in their mind. And so sometimes if unfortunately you cannot help a person or uh, if they don't if they're unwilling to recognize that and actually proactively do something about it to get them to get out of that if they don't want to get out of that mode then there's nothing you can do uh, you cannot help people who don't want to help themselves um, and yeah and so in these cases as my other mentor says uh, Paul uh, who's um, like I've mentioned Paul before, he he's a kung fu master, 
uh, I don't do Kung Fu, but he's, he's very, very wise in that sense. And he says that sometimes it's better to love these people at a distance. Sometimes you just got to understand that. And um, yeah, so that's, that's that. That's the, the feeling of guilt and the victim role. And so I'm really grateful that now I can, um, even if I can't help a person, at least I can identify when that's happening and understand if that person is a per is the person I want to hang out with or not. And um, there's a there's a nice saying to summarize it. Um, my mom re keeps repeating it sometimes. Uh, people in this world, there's two types of people in this world. People who um, push you up and people who drag you down. And you want to have as many as you can. Of, you want to keep the number one type of people in your life, people who push you upwards. And those people who drag you down, you don't want to keep them in your life. And sometimes you just need to make those decisions for yourself. And so that's the feeling of guilt and victim. Almost done with that part, but actually there's more. I, I thought it was very important to... Um, to point out this example of, of the other way around, of when we are being the victim. Because it's very, it's, uh, it's easier, it's not very easy, but it's easier to see in other people, especially once you know this concept and uh, you observe it consciously a couple of times, then you'll, I think you'll get better at recognizing when other people are playing the victim role uh, or being in a victim mode, even if they're doing it, if they're not playing anything, they're just being in their victim mode. And you will feel that feeling of guilt and you'll recognize that that's where it's coming from. But I think it's much harder to see that in yourself. Again, because of what we discussed, that a victim role is so powerful, is so unconscious that when you go into it, you stop being aware what you're doing of what you're doing and so it's very important not to victimize yourself or very important not to be the victim because why would you want to do something to another person that you want don't want to be done to yourself like you, nobody loves to likes to be to feel guilty to feel that heavy feeling of guilt why would you want to inflict that pain on someone else and the thing is that life will often create circumstances where it's very easy for us to feel sorry for ourselves. And that, that's kind of the key way to identify it, I think. That as soon as you start feeling for, sorry uh, for yourself, that means you're probably falling into victim mode. And when that happens, when you start feeling sorry for yourself, uh, or when you have a thought uh, that, uh, this this might sound familiar, when you have a thought that, uh, so that you you like someone hurt you and you want them to know how much they hurt you and you want them to suffer for that like as in um, oh the, this person like they they did this or they didn't do what I expected and now I'm suffering and I hope they know and I hope they feel guilty about it and, and so on and so on so whenever you have that thought catch that thought and don't let that control you. Don't let that take over you. Don't be a victim. You're better than that. Why would you uh, hurt yourself and others even more, right? So um, the classic example is you get a flat tire on the road. And 
and what 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 do people normally think they're like oh you know i'm so unlucky the universe hates me why did this happen to me this is horrible blah 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 it's all it's all victim 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 and the reality is flat tires happen you know once in a like couple of times a year some bad things are going to happen and and that's that's that and you know just if you're conscious about it if you don't let yourself fall into victim mode you'll be like oh well it happened let's fix the situation and you know that's a very basic example doesn't involve other people but you can think of hundreds of examples that do involve other people and they probably uh, happen occasionally or have happened so whenever you have that thought of where you are feeling sorry for yourself uh, or you want others to feel sorry for you uh, th that's a way that's a form of getting attention that's a form of getting love but it's fake love it's it's not it's it's not uh, it's not that true love that we all crave it's uh, it's a substitute so just get rid of it don't let that take over you it'll be hard it'll be hard to always be conscious about these things and we'll talk about consciousness again uh, further down but the more you practice the more aware you become the more conscious you'll become and the easier life will be the less you will be upset the less you'll be feeling sorry for yourself and sad and the happier you'll be in general and the and you'll make the world a better place the the less we have of uh, people in victim modes and roles the better because everybody in it will win in the end so that was number two okay number three the subtitle for number three is being present this year i read a book um which i really liked i actually listened to listen to it on audible and because i like listening to books on audible when you drive you can listen to it and other times your eyes have rest um it's a book by Eckhart Tolle, which I've already mentioned on this podcast. It's called The Power of Now. Um, and there's there's lots of aspects. It's a very big book. I haven't held the book myself because I listened to it uh, as an audiobook, but the audiobook was like seven and a half hours long. So as I can imagine, it's quite a big book. And the amount of information they can make, definitely very voluminous. And uh, um, so... There's lots of things there, but the one I wanted to point out in this um, in this point number three is that too often we spend our time either worrying about the past or fearing or uh, fearing the future or like worrying about the future, like reminiscing the past, fearing uh, worrying about the future. Um, like you, you've probably. Uh, felt this a lot of us uh, a lot of us feel or, or understand that that is the case that we are constantly like living in the past and like what happened and why like why did it, it happen could have done better or having regrets and stuff like that or um, planning for the future fearing the future anticipating the future um, like trying to calculate all possible scenarios what could go wrong and so on so on so on and uh and we miss the present. We miss what's going on uh, in the moment right now. We miss the world around us. Like a great example is you're driving to work, or you're taking the bus to work, or you're walking to work. 
what do you normally think about? You probably think about, oh, well, I'll get to work, I'll do this and that, and what about that report and so on. Or you might be thinking about, oh, how great was, or how, like, um, uh, you know, something that happened yesterday or the day before. It can actually be great. It can be, you can be thinking about good things, right? You could be thinking about, like, something that you did that you're proud of and that happened, like, a week ago or a year ago or a month ago. Or you could be anticipating something in the future. You could be like, oh, it'd be so great to go to this birthday party. I can't wait to, to until Saturday and so on. Uh, but that's kind of the same thing. The only, the only note here is that like your brain is usually conditioned. It's like it's a 20 million year old brain. It's not designed to make you happy. It's designed to look for problems. So you're most likely to going to be uh, thinking about bad things. Most of the time you think about... Uh, problems that happen or problems that might happen. But regardless, whether you think about good or bad things in the past or good or bad things in the future, you are not thinking about the present. And so when you're walking to work or you're cycling to work or driving to work or taking a public transport to work, how often is it that you sit there and you can just like observe the world around you and you know you might see a tree or you might see um, like an old lady get into the bus or you might see you might actually, for the first time ever since you bought the car, actually feel the texture of the steering wheel or notice a smell or um, some bird singing far away or some humming sound coming from um, the engine of the train that you're sitting on. It's like observe the environment that you're in and actually feel like as you're being part of this experience, as you're part of this world. And this, the the worst part is that like we all we often think about our lives like we often use the present as a means to getting to the future it's a very deep thought if you think about it it's, it's that's like one of the most powerful things i got out of the book is that using the present as a means to an end to getting to the future if you think about it it's very sad that right now we're using like we're using this present now to get to the future which is like uh, get to work when you're at work you're like okay um you're doing your work and and then like i don't know let's say you're planning a project again you're using your present at work to plan for the future that project will happen later on and then uh, you're driving home same you're using present to get to the future like a lot of the time you're you're using your current time on this planet, this second, this minute, this hour, you're using that as a way to get to the future. And basically that means you're never going to actually get there. That's what it means. That means whenever you get to the future, you're going to be using that new present as a means to an end to get to the next future. And as you get to that future, again, that'll be the present, but you'll be using it to get to the future. And again, again and you'll like, it's a, um, a way to visualize this is have you ever thought of have you ever had this thought that okay i'm not really happy right now but as i'm gonna i just need to wait a few months as soon as this and this and this happens i'll be happy then and then a few months pass and blah 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 and then you're like oh i'm i'm all like i'm much closer to being happy but i need these these are these other things to happen and then i've got this i'm gonna get this promotion and then i'm gonna uh you know like and then we're gonna go on this holiday and then i'll be happy you're always kind of like thinking ahead that happiness is somewhere. It's, it's like you have to accomplish something to be happy. You have, some things have to happen for you to be happy. But the power of now says that you can be happy right now. 
that there is no, there is nothing else. Like you will always only have this moment. It's another very deep thought if you think about it. You will always only have the present. There, there is no past and there's no future. There's only the present. And like if you think about it, then any future is eventually going to become the present and you will only have that present. And if you think of life that way, that there is, the only thing that matters is the present. If you think about life that way, then you will actually live life rather than just like uh, fly through it. Um, instead of just using the present as a way to get into the future, you'll actually enjoy the present. You'll uh, look around, you'll feel the air, you'll smell the roses, you'll see the trees, you'll you know experience the emotions that are here now. And, Bringing yourself back into the present is a very, very hard thing. As I, as I've learned for myself, like it's extremely hard. Your mind is just crazy. It's like, a, it's like a monkey brain. It just rushes away into the future so quickly, or into the past sometimes. And it's so hard to keep it here, present, aware, conscious, focused on what's going around you, and just enjoying life. It's so hard. And, um, but if you do do that. That's that's where the true happiness lies. You don't need for something to happen to be happy. You don't need for someone to enter your life or exit your life. You don't need for approval from someone or for someone to say something. Happiness is here now. If you just pause and observe and feel yourself as part of the world, that's where true happiness lies. And uh, it's not just from a book that I know this. I've actually, this year, it's interesting how I met several people. I can count, I've met one, two, three, four, five people. I met five people, at least five people who are highly, highly conscious and who can live in the present. Um, and one of them, you probably all know, is Adlan. Interesting, isn't it? So, uh, I, I love giving this example because... And I've given it a couple of times. I'm, I hope Adlan doesn't mind. Um, one time I, did, I gave this example while he was right there. It was at the, at the DSGO conference, uh, like right on stage. Where just, uh, I was asking a few questions. And this, this was one example. So you might have heard it already, but nevertheless. So when we were on our road trip this summer in Europe, um, we spent, it was like, um, oh yeah, two months. We were two months on the road trip we went through Italy and France and um, uh, Germany and uh, Budapest is in Hungary and Slovakia Slovenia lo lots of countries and so we were driving and we were taking turns and driving and so one time he asked me Kirill when like because like we we're driving and, and like I would he, like he would see that like there's an exit coming up and like every time almost every time I got the exit like once in this whole time of, of the highway you know to exit off the highway once in this two months or how we did a lot of kilometers I think we did like a good 20,000 kilometers in total um, so once in this all of my driving I missed an exit and he was like Kirill like how often do you look at the GPS and I and I was like interesting how often do I look at the GPS and so I just checked just kind of like thought about it, just observed myself 
And so I was looking at the road and about every 10 seconds, I was like looking at the GPS just to check. That's like crazy insane. That, but that's just how my brain works. It just, uh, it's, or how it's trained to work. It's just like, it was automatic for me. Like driving, okay, checking, checking. I, I wasn't um, doing it purposefully, like uh, absolutely consciously, but like it was happening. And then when he was driving, this is the part that, that is the craziest part. When he was driving, he, in our whole trip, he missed like 20 exits. So there's like an exit, uh, and sometimes I would be like, hey, Adlan, we got to take this exit. But then I just like even stopped doing it, or I was busy doing my thing on my laptop or something, or, uh, you know, just um, like uh, listening to, to the music or something like that. And like he would, like, so it's not my responsibility to check the GPS when he's driving. And then he would just like miss 20 exits in this whole trip, like at least, there's probably more, because you know, maybe while I was sleeping, he probably missed another couple. And... And uh, and then, like, I tried to understand why this is happening. And if you know Adlan, you will know what a great and, um, like, open and smiling and happy and wonderful person he is. Like, when you know, whenever you're around Adlan, you just, like, you just want to smile. You just, it just gets to you. He's such a, he just has this aura of good energy around him. And... And that's just the way he is in life. And when he's driving, what he does is like he's, the road is important, of course, and, and the destination is important. But he's in the now. He's present. He is, he is observing the clouds, the trees. He is one with everything. He is, uh, he's feeling the nature. He is like the mountains. We're driving through these Alps. He can like, he's, he's there. He, he is the mountains. He is the lake. And that is Adlan, and, and he is so present, so he's like actually living life. For him, the present is not a means to getting to the future. And like for me, it's like I got to get there, this is why I have to check the GPS. And so, but for him, he's enjoying the moment. And it doesn't matter that he missed a few exits. He's living life. And it's like his experience of this road trip is... Uh, is incredible, right? Because he actually was present pretty much a whole uh, time through this. And so, if you ever get a chance to uh, interact with Adlan in person, that's the type of person he is. And uh, he's a living example of the fact that you can actually be present and conscious about and about everything around you uh, in a way that you're actually experiencing life. You're not going past and then you'll look back and you'll be like, where did the year go? Where did my life go? It's an example of the fact that you can live life and be happy in every single moment in the now. And uh, I've, I've only seen Adlan um, not fully happy maybe like for 40 minutes out of all the time that I've known him. All of the other time he's just smiling. He's just happy. And so, yeah, that's... That's one of the person that I'm one of the people that I met this year who's um, who is present and I wanted to conclude this part this third point with the the um, with a comment that it is something that I learned but I'm still not yet not yet there I'm working on it I want to be more like that I want to be more conscious and I want to be more present. Uh, and experience life, but I, I I know it's 
it's uh, work that I need to do on myself and that that will be my one of my goals for 2018 but I'm really grateful that at least I discovered this and at least I know that there is more to life than just goals and accomplishments and paths to getting there there's actually life there's actually this experience that a lot of the time we're missing out on okay so that was number three being present okay number four <clears throat> number four and the subtitle is trusting life <clears throat> so um, if you know me, you'll probably guess that I'm a person who has learned how to get what I want. And not in a like narcissistic entitled way, but through hard work. That I've, throughout my life, I've understood that if I really want something and I really work very hard for it, I will eventually get it. It might take me a time, it might take me like lots and lots of falling down and getting up again, but I will get there. And like in data science terms, you could say that I, in a lot of ways and a lot of times, I brute force my way through life. Excuse me. I, um, you know, if I want something, I just go and, and work for it. Um, and a couple of examples. So if I wanted to get into a university or when I wanted to get into university back in the day, like I would do so much work. I would sign up for their courses like two, three, you know, two, two years in advance. Wait, hold on. No, three years in advance, I would sign up for courses, for prep courses. A year in advance, I would sign up for their specific prep courses. I would solve, because I studied physics and maths, I would solve like hundreds of maths equations per week like hundreds of physics equations or let's say per month yeah hundred equations like hundreds and hundreds of equations per uh, per month minimum probably more than that and um and i just like like work work all the time on this goal of achieving another example is if i wanted to get a job or when i wanted to get a job when i wanted to get into deloitte for example i would like just constantly like prepare for the interview send my resume uh, make sure that I know everything 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 like uh, connect with people go to their um, what are they called uh, universe when they come to universities like uh, career fairs and so on and I would just uh, I, I knew I wanted to get in, like top four big four consulting firms and I would just like go and send my resumes to all of them and I would find people who already work there and and like do so many so many things um, Another example is if I wanted to start my own business, uh, I would like I would just like try this and that and fail and get up and listen to this podcast and listen to that podcast and listen to uh, read this book, read that book, and watch these videos, and I would just keep doing it up, get, falling, failing, get up, getting up and doing it again, and I'd do that for years. And and in the can in the end, I would get into the university, I would get the job, I would start my own business. Um, but the interesting thing is, there's always a but, there's always an interesting thing. The interesting thing that I've discovered for myself this year through other examples, but even that happened this year, but also looking back at these major examples in my life, um, I've discovered for myself that there's always more at play than just me. 
pushing and brute forcing my way through life. There's something else in a way, there's life itself that is participating in these um, events, uh, in these wants of mine, in these desires, in these goals. And like, if I look back at these examples, um, the when when I actually wanted to get into uni, I was preparing for one faculty, but then because I prepared like prepared a lot and I passed my exams very very well I was able to get into a different faculty which I was not expecting it to and moreover um, it, it was interesting like all that preparation years of preparation I had to put in but then I, I remember that like it was very strange feeling that you needed to sign up for that exam that the not the written exam but the oral exam when you go in and you actually make your case why you want to be in that faculty and I went to sign up for that exam like I knew that I had like maybe let's say um, I had like 20 days to go and sign up for that um, presentation put myself on the on the list that I want to go to a faculty and usually what I would do is I would wait until like day two days left because it was quite far away from the city had to drive, like get, take the train, the bus there. It was like, quite a long, long way away. So usually I would have waited because it doesn't feel like a big deal. But I went like maybe 15 or 10. I don't remember exactly. Like quite well in advance. And the funny thing is that they invited people to the interview in the order they signed up. which And then that order really dictated who could get in and not because they had a limited number of spots. I think they had like 22 spots in that faculty. And had I not signed up earlier, on t like as I did, then all those years of preparation, hard work would have just gone down the drain. So, you know, like there's that, that one little aspect that I didn't take into account. But somehow I had this feeling or sense that I should go and sign up 15 days before. Um, and then with the job, right? So that second example, when I wanted to get into the big four consulting firms, um, I really wanted to, but what I did, like I studied accounting in my uh, master's degree and um, yeah, and so I applied for an accounting, like I applied for accounting roles in, at Ernst & Young, KPMG, PricewaterhouseCoopers and Deloitte. And in fact, I actually did an internship in accounting at Ernst & Young. Um, but with Deloitte, what happened is that like I was like, I was brute forcing my way, of course, I was like sending these applications and everything, but what happened at Deloitte was my application got mixed up somehow, and it went instead of my first preference into accounting, I think it went to my second preference. We, I don't even remember putting forensics as my second preference, but somehow my application uh, and my CV went into the forensics department, and I remember I was actually here where I'm now in Gold Coast in this apartment where I was just like, um, I got this phone call from Deloitte, from forensics, and like I didn't even know what forensics was. I had to, while I was on the call, I had to Google forensics, and I read the Wikipedia article, and I realized it was like there was like this this uh, there was a skull because it was like criminal forensics, whereas the Deloitte forensics is cyber forensics. Uh, not not necessarily just cyber; it's uh, corporate kind of um, business forensics. So I was like, I had no idea what they were asking about. I had this phone interview, and I passed it. And then when I actually, then I had more interviews, but then when I got into Deloitte, into the forensic division, even though I applied for accounting, 
there the partner at Deloitte looked at my resume and looked at me and said hey uh, man you're not supposed to you you're not going to be like your skills are much better suited to rather than to forensics and much better suited to data science you should be in the data division and that's how like I got into data science at Deloitte and had that not happened I may have never been uh, teaching courses on uh, in Udemy on super data science in the, in on the internet about data science. I would be an, I would still be doing accounting at Deloitte or somewhere else. And so it's funny how like I was tr like I really wanted something. I really wanted to get into big four. I really wanted to get into accounting. But and I really worked hard for it. But then life had its own way. My application got mixed up. I met the forensics partner Chris, uh, who's a great great person. He identified my talent and put me into the right place. There's no way I could have come up with that myself. There's just no way. I, and I would have not even known that I like data science until then. It had that not happened. And with the third example that I gave with my uh, with starting a business, like I failed so many times. Like not like failed doesn't like failed in attempts and ideas and I tried this and I tried that and so on and at some point I found myself reading a book on Java because I was so confident that I'm going to um, you know start a whole company on uh, trading the forex market and making uh, you know like all completely algorithmic trading through uh, data analysis and so on and I needed to learn JavaScript not Java, Java not JavaScript just Java for that and I was reading. No, I was. I wasn't reading a book on Java. I was actually studying uh, a course on Udemy about Java by John Purcell, um, great person, John Purcell. And uh, I, Adlan, I actually went to meet him in. Uh, he lives in the UK in Derby. We went to Derby with Adlan this summer to meet him, say hello. Um, yeah. So. I was studying this course on Java, and by, and when I got to the end, John actually said said in one of the lectures, "Hey, uh, guys, by the way, I all I do for a living is I teach online, and I, um, and I, that that's that's all I do, and it's really fun, and I like it, and it's it's, it's, it's I help people, and uh, it's not that hard to create a course. I wrote this ebook on how to." Um, on how to be, uh, how to do it, how I how I did it, and so yeah. So if you want to get it, it's like you know one pound, whatever fifty cent, fifty pen pennies on Amazon. And so I bought that ebook, and reading that ebook, I was like, whoa, this is really cool. I got to give it a go. And then after that, the rest is history. So again, even though I was like pushing really, really hard through life, life had its own turn, and here I am. And so. All these examples, right, um, from what I've learned from them is just to trust life. It's just to um, believe in life more. And, um, like, I'm not saying that you need to be lazy and not to work hard. It's, it's a combination of the two. You still need to work towards your dreams and goals, but sometimes you just need to trust that whatever needs to happen will happen. And that's it. And so, like, I've adopted that more. And I've realized this. I've kind of always pondered these examples. I was like, wow, that's really cool. What a coincidence. And it must be a reason. Like, I don't believe that it's just a coincidence just, just for the because. But I think there was a reason. I always, 
I always thought about them as, I was always grateful for those coincidences or for those, the ways that my life has shaped. But now I've taken like a step, taken it a step further that I, I let life guide me very often, more often. It's becoming more and more often. Like, um, for example, just recently I was, I was getting the train from, uh, from Brisbane to Gold Coast here in Australia. This was just literally a couple of days ago. Uh, and, and I was like running a bit late. I could see that, you know, I'm, I'm not even on the plat, not even entering the terminal yet. Uh, is it called a terminal? Station, railway station. I'm not even entering the rail station yet. And you can already see like they have these screens quite far, like, uh, like uh, quite a way away from the station. You can see that like you have four minutes, like I could see I have four minutes left. I gotta, I gotta like run. And I felt like I got to run really hard to get onto this train. And, uh, you know, this is going to leave in four minutes. I got like seven more minutes of walking. So I got to run really fast to get there. And uh, and then I, I thought of doing that. And I normally would do that. But then I thought, come on, Kirill. Like these trains, they're, at that time of the day, they run like once every 20 minutes. If I don't get this one, that's okay. I'll just wait on the platform. I'll get the next one. Where's the rush? I... And if you tie that in with being present, the previous one, if you tie that in with being aware about of, of what's around you and being like enjoying life, you can enjoy life sitting on a platform. You don't have to get somewhere to enjoy life. You can enjoy life wherever you are. Um, I'll be like, oh, that's okay. I'll just sit on the platform. That's totally fine. You know, if I don't make it, that's okay. And I didn't run. Like maybe I did a brisk walk, like walked a little bit faster, but I didn't run towards the platform. And I... I like I wanted to and that and but I made myself I calmed myself down made myself my body just just take it easy take it slow and um, yeah it took me more than four minutes to get there but when I got there the train was still there and I got on and I went to Gold Coast and so not a big major life-changing example but at the end of the day that's uh, that's an example of how you know like if you're meant if something's meant to happen it's gonna happen and um, yeah, you don't have to brute force your way through life. And another one, another cool example was like even these examples that I, I gave you today, the university example, the job example, the business example, like I didn't know like four hours ago, I was like, oh, what examples should I think of? And I was trying to squeeze them out of my brain. I was like, oh, what this and this, like, I was like, which example should I give? Like, come on, can I remember something? And then I thought, nah, you know what? They'll just come. Like, like relax. I'll figure it out. And literally, like when I was preparing these notes, and I was as soon as I started writing this fourth point, point one example came up. Second one, third one just came to my head. So sometimes, um, again, don't don't take it as in you have to be lazy and everything will happen for you. No, you still have to set yourself targets and goals and work towards something. But sometimes. Uh, like life will always have its way. So why not just trust that that will happen and understand when you need to get, when you need to get out of the way for life to take over. So that was number four on trusting life. Let's continue. Number five. Number five, the title is Connections Exist. Have you ever had a situation where you think of somebody and then they call you, like right then and there? 
or you get a text message like you think of someone and bam like three seconds later you get a text from them or you think of someone because you want to call them or text them and as you're writing the text or as you're getting your phone out you get a text message from them I I have a huge confidence in that everybody listening to this has had that at least once in their life and probably more like I have that probably like twice or three times a month it's just crazy and it uh, doesn't happen with everybody like I have that I have uh, and not just that like like sometimes uh, there's, there's there's some other things that are like uh, that are very strange that you can't explain like I have that with only a couple of people in my life with some people stronger with some people weaker but it's still there and um, for example you know the text messaging or the calling or sometimes I can feel when a person is thinking about me or when a person is sad I can feel it and then I, I can I, I've done this I pick up my phone and I'm like I can feel you're sad uh, is everything okay and then they're like no it's not okay like I am sad or or something else or <laughs> stop reading my mind it's, it's getting freaky um, or something like that like these connections actually exist and um, another thing that I, I also like is that sometimes when you look into another person's eyes especially those people that you have this connection with you can actually like feel something deep like I I feel that I can see their soul in their eyes it's that's not always but it's it's when they're most genuine and most um, vulnerable most themselves you can you can feel something very deep and for me it's a it's a sign that like all of this is even though we can't explain it and it must be strange hearing it from like from someone who's studied physics and maths for half their life and now does data science like very analytical very um, well-defined areas to hear something like that but I really believe in that and I feel that there are things in this world that we cannot explain with physics or mathematics and stuff like that and so um, you can call it intuition you can call it uh, connection um, but it's there and so that's that's all I have for this point number five I I just realized like I've always known that something is um, that something there's something more but I guess like this year and I, I've slowly gradually came to this point but I guess this year what happened is that I finally um, defined for myself and understood that there definitely is something more and that going forward I'm going to not necessarily seek out these connections but I'm going to welcome them I'm going to be open to them and when they do happen I'm going to appreciate them and be grateful for them and cherish them and try to develop those connections with those people even more and see see where they go so I think I think it's also a sign when you have a connection like that with someone it, not, it might not mean that you know that this this is um, the person that you have to spend the rest of your life with or uh, or that um, or something else something like completely um, it's not always black and white that's what I mean like maybe sometimes these things they they just mean that there is something that you will learn from that person and there's something that they will learn from you or maybe you can help that person or someone or they can help you with something 
or there's there's some reasons behind these things so yeah like that's what I understood for myself about connections and uh, by the way if you would like to have a quite fun explanation of this concept well this concept uh, is called intuition in this uh, specific uh, by this specific person um, by Kervin Ray he has a YouTube video called how intuition works uh, a very uh, I wouldn't say like it's like he's trying to explain from a scientific way but it's fun uh, and it has like he has his own experience he had a stroke and and then he couldn't actually talk to people so he just he just learned like he couldn't he had short-term memory loss so you could only remember things for like 18 seconds so he just learned to feel people and like and and he developed this sense to an extremely um the way he describes it like an extremely high uh, level of sensitivity and uh it's just an, it's just a cool video it's like five minutes long so we'll put that in the show notes as well but basically to sum up i've uh understood that there are connections between people and um yeah I'm going to definitely look out for them more in the future. Okay. That was number five. Number six. Moving on. That was quite quick. Almost there. Number six is consciousness. So, I was flying to Boston in May this year. Um, on my way to the ODSC conference where... Adlan and I were presenting. By the way, by the way, that was the first time I met Adlan in person. We met. Uh, we we had been working together for like eight months or so uh, online. What a world we live in, right? Like people can work together and build courses or you know projects and products and services, even without meeting each other. So uh, that was the first time I was going to meet him in person in Boston. Um, and uh, even though he lives in, he lived in France at the time that I lived in Portugal, so like it was pretty cool. Um, and uh, on the plane, I sat next to this guy, uh, whose name was Corey, and he was like a really interesting person, like an, an Aussie guy uh, who Aussie, I mean like Australian guy who um, he was into meditation, uh, into like sports. He he has his own business that that his family runs somewhere in Adelaide or like he, he has people running it for him. Um, and uh, yeah, and he's like, he's going to this, uh, to some, some spiritual retreat somewhere in, um, in the US. And basically on that plane, it, it's interesting, like speaking of you know con connections or more speaking of like trusting life you know like like something sometimes things happen and they happen for a reason and so here that was the first time when i heard the term consciousness and i'll tell you how he explained it for me so the way he explained it the the term consciousness is he said okay imagine you have a glass of water and you want to know how hot it is and but you cannot judge by by the you know by the warmth of the glass like it's a special glass you cannot tell how hot the water inside the glass is just by touching it's like a like a thermostat type of glass or like not thermostat like what's called thermos type of glass where it's insulated so the the 
the outside surface of the glass doesn't represent how warm the water is inside. So what do you do to measure how warm or hot or cold the water is? Well, you dip your finger into the water and so, you know, one phalange of your finger is in the water and that is basically, it gives you that sense for what the temperature of the water is. So basically, what he said is our lives, us on this planet, is that phalange uh, I really hope I'm pronouncing that right, but is that phalange, is that part, tip of that finger in the water? That's us on this planet. And what he's saying is that we live here, we walk around, we experience life, we have our five senses, we interact with each other, but that is only like a tiny little piece of what is called our higher selves, our higher beings, so that in the... You can call it a, here. We've got like there's there's going to be lots of um, debates about terminology and uh, how to call these things. But you can call it whatever. But like say in a different dimension, in a in a different parallel universe, there's a, no probably not parallel universe. In a different dimension, there's like a huge, much bigger part of us, like a higher self that we are connected to, and we are only a tiny representative of that higher self, higher. Uh, like our what's it called our higher being and uh, yeah and then so we live around we live in this life and then um, you know when we die we go and reunite with our higher self or, or whatever happens but basically you um, your whole point like consciousness is the more conscious you are is the more you listen to your higher being your higher self the more you are uh, like you get these, uh, you're aware of things, the more you're, um, like, your higher being knows much more than you. It's like, it's a huge, it's a huge entity that uh, understands life and everything and every living thing on this planet much better. And so right now you might be thinking, whoa, this is cool, this is, this is exactly like how I feel about it, or this is, this is really in line with what I believe in. Or you might be thinking, whoa, this is all like BS, what is he talking about? This is this is some like voodoo voodoo bullshit. Um, in the second case, I have an alternative explanation for you, a more um, a more logical explanation, and possibly, uh, hopefully, this will uh, get you on board. So, uh, Tim Urban, who you might know from the Wait But Why blog, if you haven't uh, checked it out, you definitely should. It's amazing. He writes on lots of different topics, and he has this. Um, blog post which is called religion for the non-religious we'll also link to it in the show notes and there he explains the concept of consciousness in an absolutely different way so what he says is that in short it's like it's this blog post is like 50,000 words long I don't know like maybe 30,000 words long it's like a book and most of his blog posts are like a book but um, in a very short sense what he says is like if you take um, I'm gonna sh I'm gonna shorten down. I was, I was gonna explain the whole thing, kind of like the whole uh, chain, but I'll just explain it in in a few examples. So if you take an ant and you try to explain to an ant what a monkey is, you can't. An ant will never understand whatever language you speak, whatever even if you speak ant language, an ant will never understand what a monkey is. Then you take a monkey and you try to explain to a monkey what a human is. You can't. If you even if you speak uh, English, Chinese, Spanish, sign language, even if you speak monkey language, 
uh, whatever language they understand, even if you, try, you speak that language, you try to explain to a monkey what a human is, you will never be able to explain to a monkey what a human is just because, and here's the catch, because they're a d different level of consciousness. An ant is a very low level of consciousness, a monkey is a higher level of consciousness, human is even a higher level of consciousness. And so there is no way for one of those level of consciousness, like a monkey, to understand what the next one is above. A monkey can understand an ant, it can see an ant, and they play around with ants sometimes, but monkey cannot understand what a human is. And, uh, and that's that. That's how the world works. There are different levels. And that's what consciousness means. That is how, you know, the capacity to be aware, I guess, of, uh, you know, life and yourself and life around you. That's, that's my definition. might not be exactly correct, but this example should put it into perspective. And so what uh, consciousness then means without going into a higher being and so on. By the way, higher being and... Uh, higher self, that's what Eckhart Tolle in his book The Power of Now also talks about. But, you know, taking the monkey and monkey-human example into account, um, what, uh, what was I going to say? Consciousness, right? Why, why are we talking about, oh, what it means then for us as humans is that in the human level of consciousness, there are actually different levels of, different sub-levels of consciousness. As a human, you can move around. And Tim Urban talks about that as well in his blog. So if you want to learn more about it, definitely check that out. So he, like, um, if you want to move uh, around, uh, if you want to move around, you can, like as a human, you can move around in your level of consciousness. And remember we talked about, which point was that? Point number three, no, point number two, the guilt and victim. So somebody who's in a victim mode, or victim role, they're acting very unconscious, they're acting very low conscious, all they can think about is like how much they've been hurt and how guilty the, uh, the perpetrator is and so on and so on. So that's a very low level of consciousness. But if, if on the other hand, you do get hurt by someone uh, and then instead of feeling like dropping into this low level of consciousness, by the way, Tony Robbins also has his own uh, levels of consciousness. I think he talks about, what is it, like seven seven different levels of consciousness and they're like if you've been a, to a date of destiny event then you will know that they're identified by color uh for tony robbins so how many he's got one two three four five six seven eight eight different levels of consciousness but we won't go into that now but anyway so so that going back to that example so if you are like hurt by someone you can drop into this feeling of guilt and you go a feeling of uh you can drop into this victim mode and you can actually be like um so you drop into this low level of consciousness or you cannot do that and be like no i'm not going to do that i'm catching that thought of trying of feeling sorry for myself of or uh, try you know like trying to make the other person feel guilty or or just being like, becoming the victim i'm catching that thought i'm not going to do that i'm better than that i'm more conscious and you actually observe that inside your own mind and you stop yourself from dropping into the victim mode and then you like, you know, whatever, you explain to yourself why a certain thing happened or why, uh, why that person hurt you, what might be driving them or something like that, what, what could have happened to them that in return that they've done this to you. And then, and then you let it go and you forgive or you, or you feel grateful for, for, for the experience you had or something like that. Then, then all of a sudden you're, like, you're operating at a different level of consciousness. And I think this example puts it really into perspective. You can't deny that those two scenarios, the person in, in, like in scenario A and scenario B is behaving at completely different 
levels of consciousness. And it's like, it's not the same as comparing an ant to a monkey or a monkey to a human, but it is, it is different and you can feel that it's different. And that's what consciousness is all about. And so, um, so here's another couple examples. Uh, or what is this? What have I got written down here? Um, okay, so for example, it takes a conscious it takes a conscious person to be able to understand that people. Oh, hold on, let, let, let's rewind for a second. So. It's like with the monkey and human example. It's not just about understanding other levels of consciousness. It's also about understanding concepts and things. Like, uh, again, Tim Urban gives a great example that if you, like we as humans, we understand that planes, like those shiny things flying in the sky above cities, those are planes, right? Some of them are stars, but some of them are planes. We can understand that. But if you try, if you take a monkey and you try to explain what a plane, there's no way it will understand what a plane is. Like there's, we've put in so many, like it takes, it takes so much technology, so much progress and so on. So many things have gone into a plane. And even if you try to explain that to a monkey, it will still think those are stars. It will not be able to be like, tell what is a star, what is a plane. It won't be able to, might be able to see that one is moving, that one's not, but it will never understand that they're different. And so, same thing here for, so people with, People at a low level of consciousness and people at a higher level of consciousness will, uh, some of the, so the higher level of conscious people will be able to, like if, if some, again, people can, even one person can drop and go, you, you can move around these level of consciousness as long as you, like, you know, you've been to, to them and you know, like, it depends on the circumstance, depending on how much you can control your mind and yourself. And so basically, um, so it takes a person, this is what I was going to say, it takes a person with a high level of consciousness to understand that people aren't the actions, uh, aren't defined by the actions, aren't the, people aren't their actions. And so, for example, when someone is rude to you, what you can do is you can get angry or become a victim, as we discussed, or if you're, if you at the time can stay at a high level of consciousness, you can try to understand them, try to understand where they're coming from, like why are they being rude to you, maybe something happened in their day, maybe uh, maybe their, you know, maybe their mother is not feeling well, or maybe they had just, they're just going through a breakup, or maybe, uh, maybe something happened, and you, instead of just making it about yourself, and feeling sorry for yourself, or getting angry about it, and being rude back to them, you just, you just like, look at it from a, like a different perspective, you be more conscious about it, then that then you have completely different interaction. You might actually help the other person. The other example is um, what we talked about intuition previously, the connections and so on. Like to listen and to hear your intuition or these connections, these things that you're getting from other people, from other people's souls, you need to be able to you need to be operating at a higher level of consciousness. You can't, if you're at like very low level of consciousness, you won't just, you just won't hear them. They'll go past you. The, those, those, um, whatever they are, these connections, this intuition, you will just not be receptive to it. You have to be very in tune with your heart, very conscious to hear your heart, to hear what it's saying. And the more conscious you get, the the more you'll hear them. The, the more you'll hear, and, and if we talk in terms of, 
what's the name, Corey's example with the higher being, the, that means the more you'll hear these signs, these um, indications that the higher, your higher self is sending to you because they can see much more and they are trying to help you through life. You will hear that more. Um, and another one is, another example is consciousness. Um, when you're in tune with, when you're like operating at a higher level of consciousness and you're in tune with your heart, sometimes you will come across decisions where something feel, something makes logical sense to make a certain decision, but it just like, you just know that it doesn't feel right or you know something else feels right. And, and you just know, and that's it. And, and that is because you can, like you can sense much more in that in that state of being and like i've had that quite i've been having that more and more over the past uh year like i've i've been and i've been listening to that i've been listening again this ties in with the connections we talked about the intuition we talked about in five but it's not just that it's something more than that it's like you you know that this made this makes sense like logically i should probably do this but then you're like, no, I won't. Uh, I I have a feeling. I, I just know somehow deep down inside, I know that I should do this other thing. And you go and do that and eventually it turns out right. Um, or, by the way, it could turn out wrong. It could turn out that you suffer pain because of that. But it doesn't mean that that is like that, that you know, like you should stop trusting your feeling from there. No, it just means that right now that pain is necessary. That means that maybe two, three, five years from now, you will understand why that pain was necessary. But you don't now. But because, but it's just, it's just like life is interesting like that. It, it, uh, you needed to go through that experience for, in order for something else to happen. I think we've all had situations like that where, you know, like, uh, like you've had like an injury or a very painful breakup or something happen or you missed a flight or something like a painful experience but that led to something good in the end and there's no way you could have known in advance that that would have happened that was going to happen but like looking back you can see that one would have not been possible without the other anyway so that's consciousness we could talk about consciousness for hours and hours and hours and hours but we're not going to um what's so that that blog post by tim urban is great about that and also of course the power of now by Eckhart Tolle is a great source uh, of information about consciousness as well. Okay, and finally, number seven. Um, okay, this one is called independent happiness. Remember we spoke about the six needs in the very, at the very start in number one? Well, um, According to Tony Robbins, when he talked about relationships on day three, I won't go into lots of detail here. In fact, I won't even give the whole, uh, all of the sides of, of what he said. I'm just going to talk to what resonated with me. Like, being a man, um, this is what, like, what my takeaway was. That a man needs, in a relationship, a man needs to be needed by uh, a woman Otherwise, and and this is of course um, you know man man woman relationships. Um, that's that's what I'm talking about. 
So a man needs to be needed by a woman, otherwise he sees no purpose and he'll be unhappy. So basically, in order to be happy in a relationship, the man needs to feel that uh, his um, like his girlfriend or his wife, she needs him in order for for him to be to feel that like a purpose, to feel happy, to be fulfilled in the relationship. That's a requirement. Uh, and and at the time at the at the Tony Robbins event, like uh, I believe that because like it's really hard not to believe Tony Robbins. He's he's put in like I think he's been doing it for like thirty or something years or all thirty seven years these events, and he's put in a lot of thought, practice, research into all these things that he says, and I you know that resonated with me. Uh, but now this like now like looking back like this was in May, now it's December, like throughout these uh, months, I've learned other things as well. And now this, I can say that this is one of the few things, but important things or aspects where I disagree with Tony Robbins. And of course, like uh, it, do it doesn't mean, you know, you, you got to believe one or the other. I, I don't have that reputation or... um. Uh, I guess weight behind what I'm saying. Oh wow, there's like balloons flying, like 15, 20 balloons flying up just past my balcony. That that's really cool. Um, yeah, I don't have that reputation and that uh, experience to to say what's right or wrong. But for myself, this is not like for the world. But for myself, I like I disagree with Tony on this one thing that. Um, you know, like in this specific case. Again, I'm I'm just just talking about uh, just if this is my perspective for for me um, about uh, like he also talks about like what a woman needs in a relationship um, and so on. And uh, like I'm not going to comment on that because I don't really remember what he said. I, I just remember that this part because it resonated with me, and I really thought that that was something that uh, like I would like I was going to look for I guess uh, or make uh, like uh, be, be aware of but then there were a couple of things I learned along the way that now I disagree with that and so basically why I why I have uh, had to rethink my understanding of this concept is because I met, as, as I mentioned, I met quite a lot of people in uh, in this year who are very interesting in the sense of, uh, in this, like in the sense of consciousness or in the sense of um, how they are being present and things like that. And one of, uh, or two of the people I met were a very highly, highly conscious couple. Their names are Mitya and Ivana. And... It was incredible seeing them together. They, it's just like two people who radiate so much positivity, excuse me, and so much um, happiness and energy and life. And like you look into the eyes and you can see they're absolutely open. You know how you sometimes meet these people who you instantly want to be friends with, you instantly want to be around, you you can feel there's no ego or there's like like zero ego there's uh, they have uh, they have only the best intentions they have no second agendas they have no other th thoughts they will always tell you like 
whatever it is as it is and they will always be like completely sincere with you so I met two people like that they they are together and it's just it's just incredible being around them and so what they said is that you it is um, it is not right to expect to someone else to fulfill your needs or to fulfill your to make you happy so a quote from Mita is stop expecting and fulfilling your needs from the other person um, you need to learn how to do that on your own and then once you know how to be happy on your own uh, internally then that is where from where you take it into a relationship and what I mean when I say being happy on your own like I used to confuse this quite a lot myself like I, I thought do you need to go like and be able to live in a in a cabin in Alaska by yourself for like six months and be happy for some people that might mean that but it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be by yourself it means you can still interact you can still socialize you can still have a relationship you can still have all those things um, but you need to be sure that your happiness comes from within you and so uh, an interesting thing is that in his book Eckhart Tolle uh, the power of now he identifies um, three key uh, states of being or like emotions three emotions three core emotions that we can that that con constitute happiness basically and these are interesting emotions because these are the only three emotions that don't have opposites and so let's talk about them so we've got three emotions that are love joy and peace and so any other emotion that you can uh, think of it'll always have an opposite for example pain you got pleasure or pleasure you have pain um, let's see what else uh, happy unhappy um, I don't know, hot, cold, I guess, the easiest examples. So, and even in the case of love, right, you don't, he's not talking about the love that you feel, you know, that you feel for another person or from another person. That type of love does have an opposite because, um, you know, misery, for example, uh, or loneliness, or no, uh, love, hate, there we go, sorry, love, hate, right? So, and inevitably, the thing is, inevitably, emotions that do have their opposites, they will turn into their opposite at some point. So, for instance, if you have love for or with another person, if that person were to leave you, uh, you will feel hate, or you will feel, um, or you'll feel misery or whatever. And so, because that person left you, or if that person never leaves you, um, you know, like uh, that, maybe that love will get, go away, and then you will feel bad and or maybe if that love doesn't go away, um, like something else can happen. And that is, those emotions are always conditional on something happening or not happening. Um, you keeping those emotions. Whereas the love that you find inside yourself, in your heart, just by observing a tree or a leaf falling off a tree, remember we talked about being present and being conscious, that love that you can feel inside yourself that, that is just always there, that doesn't have an opposite. And so once you find that, no one can take that away from you. Same for joy. There's no opposite to joy. That true joy that you feel inside, just the joy of being alive, the joy of being here, 
there is no opposite. No one can take away that from that from you. And peace, same thing. Once you find that inner peace, that stillness, again, there is nothing that can take that away from you. And so you need to find how you need to find these three emotions inside yourself and learn how to be in those states. And uh, uh, like Eckhart Tolle, for example, once he realized how to do that, he, he sat on a park bench for two years, not in a row, like, you know, obviously he went to sleep somewhere, but he was like sitting on a park bench for two years and just being, feeling love, joy, and peace. And it's not to say that that should be all your life, but imagine if you can feel love, peace, and joy inside you at any point in time, regardless of other people and circumstances and whatever is happening around you, that is incredible. And so basically, Mitya and Ivana, what they say is that you got to, uh, or Mitya told me that you got to find your happiness inside you and then, oops, find your happiness inside you and then take that into a relationship. And a way, like one way of um, uh, like you, like practicing this is you just be silence, be be in silence intentionally and intention be in silence and intentionally be bored, which we all hate. We always want our brains to work on something. Our brains always want um, food for thought and so on. But if you just get rid of that and you just be in silence and be bored intentionally, and then you learn how in that silence, in the observation of things around you, to find that love, joy, and peace inside yourself and then then you take into a relationship and so three tips that he gave me were number one make space inside yourself you need that for for depth you need space for a deep connection a deep uh, even a deep conversation for deep love for for depth of interactions you need space and by space is what, what he means is like get like don't let your brain always be always occupy your life. Don't let it always be like churning away and uh, trying to uh, come up like with problems to solve or more things to worry about or you know go check Facebook or check your email or check Slack or check uh, messages or send messages or uh, look at photos or go on to uh, you know like some some social like you know one of those gif websites where there's just like like boring things like things to do just don't don't let your brain take over your life and just always try to do something like sometimes just be empty make space inside yourself and then you'll be able to lend that space to other people and let them into that space and that that is how you actually will connect it and so learn to just have the space and cherish it while when you have it when you have those moments and slowly but surely grow that time so maybe it's like to start 10 minutes a day then 20 then 30 then one hour then two then three then five hours a day that is where you find love joy and peace not on facebook not on instagram number two get rid of attachments the less attachments you have it might be attachments to things attachments to people um like again attachments means you want something from someone or something from something uh you can you can be with someone you can be in a relationship you can be uh in uh you know like in a friendship or or anything like interactive with other people but in, in not in an attached way not in a way that you need them for something 
that you your life won't be as great or not probably that's not the best way to say it, that um that something will be missing from your life without them like your life should be full from just who you are from within and as you can see that's that's where it kind of is different to the tony robbins um philosophy of uh one person fulfilling the other yes so like the way to think about it is kind of the tony robbins philosophy comes as an add-on to this is like a good to have like if you're happy inside and then you find someone who meets six out of six of your needs that's amazing that's a bonus but if you don't you're still happy on the inside you know that's the way to think whereas in the Tony Robbins philosophy on its own it's like you need someone who will meet your six needs to be happy like you need to be in a loving fulfilling relationship whereas here it's it, that comes second first is your internal love joy and peace you find them then you move on to growing that into a relationship. And imagine how much stronger uh, a relationship can be when both people bring that, when both people are, as, as I called it, independently happy. And finally, number three, tip number three from Mitya is minimize your expectations. Um, don't have expectations from other people. Just accept them for who they are and how they are. Um, in Tony Robbins terms, this actually aligns with Tony Robbins, it's uh, turn your expectation into appreciation. Yeah, so that I think that's pretty self-explanatory um, that we should have as little as expectations as possible. Uh, and because we already have, ideally, the love, joy, and peace from inside our hearts, um, then these uh, you won't need somebody to check off some boxes that you have some expectations that you will have for them you won't really need those expectations because you'll be just happy to accept that person however they are uh, because you already you already are self uh, you already fulfilled internally who so there we go that was uh, independent happiness pretty cool concept um, like I know, I know a few people who I, I can say that they've achieved this state of independent happiness. I think everybody has something to work on. There's always something to some room to grow. Uh, like some some of maybe of these aspects that I've mentioned, or maybe some other aspects. But individually, in certain areas, like for instance, in independent happiness, I have met a few people who I can I can see that they're they're happy, they're fulfilled. Uh, they've uh, you know. Some of them have found that love, joy, and peace even inside inside themselves, and uh, if they, like, and that's it. And from there, they like whatever happens externally is is, uh, uh, is something they just accept, and it doesn't really bother them, or something that just makes their life even better. Okay, so that was the seventh point: independent happiness. And uh, here we are, uh, two hours later, we are at the conclusion, and. Uh, by the way, if you sat through the two hours, congratulations. Thank you so much. I've be, it's been a pleasure. Um, I hope this has been valuable to you. So let's, let's recap on the seven points. I'm just going to read out the title. So six needs. Actually, I'll read out the titles in a quick summary. Six needs. We talked about... Um, we talked about certainty, uncertainty, significance, love and connection, growth and contribution, and 
we learned that whatever is at the top will govern your life so um, yeah it's important to make sure that the blueprint that is guided governing your life is one that you want not the one that was put into you by others uh, while you were growing up or by society your family your peers and so on also we talked about how six needs work in, work in relationships and that the more needs you actually want to crazily meet for the other person the more addicted they will be to you and vice versa number two we talked about guilt and victim and here we discussed how some people uh, even ourselves at times will drop into uh, the guilt uh, into the victim mode or the victim role and that will make uh, so if you're interacting with a person who drops into the victim mode you will feel extremely guilty it will be a very heavy feeling and we learned how to well I uh, kind of mentioned that it is possible to I wouldn't say we learn how to <laughs> it's not a tutorial but um, <laughs> you can see how I switched into tutorial mode there um, uh, I mentioned that I think it's possible to recognize these things and if you can that's great try to help the other person if they're willing to accept that help if not then maybe it's better sometimes to love that person from afar and also we talked about not letting ourselves drop into uh, the victim mode into so as to not let other people and not to make other people feel guilty it's very hard to do that because victim is such a strong emotion such a strong state so be careful of that and hopefully you'll be able to recognize that more and prevent yourself from dropping into that low consciousness state of victim uh, number three being present we talked about how it's um, how we shouldn't use the present moment as a means to an end to getting into the future or we shouldn't spend our time in the present just worrying or reminiscing or being proud of the past all the time live this moment now happiness is here now we only have the now uh, it's like I'm starting to talk like Eckhart Tolle that's exactly how he talks like oh that's how the books written like we only have the now you always only have the now um, but it, it does have a very powerful meaning to it that uh, you like you don't want to miss out on life you don't want to just live in dreams about the future or in fears about the future or in uh, uh, memories of the past now is here now use it make the most of it number four trusting life life has its own intricate ways uh, of uh, getting you where you don't even know that you need to go yet and while hard work is important don't try to always brute force your, your way through life. Sometimes give the control back to life. Let, the li let life take you. Uh, of course, make your own corrections and, and um, put, make your input, but also trust that life will take you where you need to go. And if something you want is meant to happen, it will happen. Uh, just let it be. Let it be so. Number five, connections exist. Here's where we talked about how we connect to other people or our souls connect to other people's souls and uh, what's how like how we've all experienced that through you know when you want to text someone and, or and then you pick up your phone and they and they text you like that instant uh, I've actually recently had this case where I was just doing my work and I was like that pro that like I my phone was behind me it was on silent 
and I was like, that person, that person just texted me. And look, I turn around and I look at it, and and it's like one minute ago that person texted me. How crazy is that? And so what we talked about that these connections exist, and there's no concrete conclusion from that on action, but for me. It's just uh, because I'm also, as I mentioned, I'm also recording this for myself as much as for everyone else who wants to listen to it. Uh, for me, it's just a kind of an, um, a conscious decision or conscious uh, acknowledgement that these connections exist and that I will look out for them, welcome them into my life and uh, be aware of them and, and see what they turn into. And um, these connections can be with anyone. Like you, you don't know. It uh, it can be uh, any person that you meet, and it doesn't have to be somebody you have a relationship with. It could be could be a friend. It could be a um, it could be like some associate or acquaintance, or it could it could be someone you don't even know, but you feel feel a connection. And so I think it's important to look out for them. Number six was consciousness, and there we talked about the two different definitions of the same thing, of one through uh, what that person on the plane gave me, uh, through like the higher self, the, the higher being, and also what Eckhart Tolle talks about, or the other definition, the more logical definition of, through the ant, the monkey, and the human that Tim Urban provides. In any case, we talked about that... On the human level, we have different levels of consciousness that we can, excuse me, uh, move around through, uh, depending on what uh, you know, how we feel, how much we're in control of our minds or ourselves, and that can affect how in tune we are with those, um, like what with the subtle clues that life is giving us or that our higher selves are giving us, and also, it can mean how we, what meaning we give to things and how we understand things, how we interact with other people. And so, like, if someone is, for instance, uh, or, you know, like, if someone's rude to us, do we be rude back to them? Do we drop into a very low consciousness feel, you know, mode of victim? Or do we understand them and try to maybe help them or try to just be a, be, like appreciate appreciate what they might be going through and and leave it at that or maybe even take it to the next level and be grateful because um, whatever that's supposed to have done for us it's going to like we will one day maybe we'll learn from that or maybe that somehow had some meaning for us that we don't yet understand um, yeah so we like uh, like personally i want to as much as i can be in a higher level of consciousness as much and keep growing in that direction and number 7 independent happiness and we talked about uh, finding the love joy and peace inside yourself inside your heart and not expecting other people to make you happy or one other person or many other people to make you happy find that happiness inside yourself and then bring it into your relationships, whether those are intimate relationships or relationships with friends and families and other people. And um, 
and it's much more powerful that way than expecting something from other people rather finding it inside yourself and then bringing that and giving that back to the world giving that back not back just giving that to other people in your life and making their lives much more beautiful and in turn yours your life will also be beautiful from that um so there we go that brings us to the end of this um first episode uh with uh just me without a guest i hope you enjoyed this let me know your thoughts i'd love to hear your thoughts uh, you can leave them in the comments on the page on super day science or you can leave in the comments on soundcloud uh, you can always uh, email your thoughts if, if it's uh, something lengthy like long that won't fit in the comments you can email it to podcast at superdatascience.com i would love to hear uh your what, what you thought of this um also i'd love to know what is your reflection so that was my reflection on 2017 on the things that i learned personally on my personal growth and uh this took quite a while to to put together uh but at the same time i think it's it was very important for me to do that because now uh, while, while i was doing it i understood some of these things even better for myself but also you like we tend to forget we tend to uh, more things will come up i'm sure like there'll be other learnings and and then i might not remember some of these things as clearly like a year from now but now that i have it in in audio form i can always like listen back to it and remember what 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 i learned and maybe it, hopefully it will help me one day and hopefully it has helped you but the question i had was what is your reflection so this was my reflection 2017 what would your reflection be even if it's even if you like if it's not as uh, as lengthy but like in in the in a short couple of sentences what would be your most important reflection over 2017 um if you if you cannot say from the top of your head then maybe spend some time on it spend uh i don't know half an hour an hour two hours just thinking about it and looking back over year your year after all it was a whole year of your life uh, i think it it deserves a reflection and on that note, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed sharing this with you. It's uh, it's be like these two hours flew by so quickly. Barely noticed how that went past. Um, and yeah, I, I hope that this was helpful uh, or maybe insightful in some sort of way. And on that note, uh, I would like to wish you a uh, happy 2018. Um, and happy holidays merry christmas and any other holidays that you might be celebrating uh, i hope that this year was uh, had uh, only always there will be ups and downs in a year but i hope there were more ups than downs and i hope that um, whatever downs there were that you learned from them something valuable for yourself and that uh, that that is going to that you're going to carry that with you into 2018 and onwards and I wish for 2018 to be a great year for you to accomplish all your goals, to um, really, really crush it in every respect, to, have, to be healthy, to be uh, wise, to be safe, to be happy, and to find whatever you're looking for. And on that note, thank you so much for being here once again. I look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, happy analyzing. <laughs>